الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلاة الله والسلام عليه أما بعد Alhamdulillah ala ni'matil islami wa sunnah All praise and thanks belong to Allah For guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the sunnah Haddathani jama'atun min al-shuyukh Bi isnaad kullin ila Sufyan bin Uyayna An Amr bin Dinar An Abi Qabus Mawla Abdullah bin Amr An Abdullah bin Amr bin Aas Radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الراحمون يرحمهم الرحمن ارحموا من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم He said What translated means That those who are merciful They will be shown mercy by the most merciful Be merciful and show mercy to those who are in the earth And the one who is above the heavens He will show you mercy this hadith is a hadith that is called Musalsal bil Awaliya. It's a hadith that the Imams of Hadith they used to teach this hadith as the first hadith that they would teach their new pupils. They will begin with this hadith. The ulama they mentioned from the wisdom in doing that is so as to direct them to the reality that. That knowledge is mercy. Natijatuhu rahma fi dunya, the result of knowledge is mercy in this world. And the ultimate goal of knowledge is mercy in the hereafter, the attainment of mercy in the hereafter. Now, of course, bila shakku bila that is knowledge that is acted upon, knowledge that one implements, because the knowledge that is not acted upon, then this is a knowledge that does not benefit, but rather this is a knowledge that will hurt you. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, And the Qur'an is a proof for you or against you. The Qur'an, it is a proof for you or against you. If you live in accordance to it, then it is a proof for you. If you do not live in accordance to it, then it is a proof against you. So we have to couple knowledge with action. beneficial knowledge, and righteous good deeds. We have to bring them both together, which requires any. We have to know what to do and how to do it. We have reached the next hadith in the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullahu ta'ala. And this is the hadith عن أبي ثعلب عن عن أبي ثعلب الخشني جرثوم بن ناشر رضي الله تعالى عنه that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه قال that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى فَرَضَ فَرَائِضُ That Allah, the Most High, He made 
the obligatory actions mandatory. That Allah Ta'ala, He made certain things mandatory. He obligated the obligations. So do not neglect them. That Allah, He has made the obligatory matters mandatory. So do not so do not be neglectful as relates to them. Meaning, do not fail in doing them. You have to do them. Na'am. And Allah has set the boundaries. So do not overstep them. Allah has set the boundaries. So do not overstep them. Do not transgress them. And Allah has made certain things prohibited. So do not fall into them. Do not do them. And Allah Azza wa Jal, He has been quiet about certain things. Out of a mercy to you, not out of forgetfulness. Because Allah Azza wa Jal, He doesn't forget. So these things that Allah Ta'ala was quiet about, then they are a mercy upon us. The Prophet وسلم, he said, فَلَا تَبْحَثُوا عَنْهَا So do not seek them out. Those things in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He was quiet about, it was out of a mercy. It was not due to forgetfulness. So do not seek them out. Do not seek them out. This hadith, Imam Al-Nawi, he mentions that this hadith, hadith al hasan it is a hadith that is hasan. Rawahu Adaru Qutni wa been collected by Imam Adaru Qutni and other than him. But as aforementioned, Imam Al-Nawi, he mentions that this hadith is Hassan. This hadith is Hassan. The great auspicious scholar, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Al-Abad Al-Badr, he mentions Al-Hadith Hassanahu Al-Nawawi. That this hadith was graded as Hassan by Al-Nawawi, by Imam Al-Nawawi. وَمِنْ قَبْلِهِ أَخْوَانِ وَمِنْ قَبْلِهِ أَبُوْ بَكْرِ بِنْ سُمْعَانِ And from before him, those who have graded it as such, was the great Imam Abu Bakr bin As-Sam'ani. كَمَا قَالَ إِبْنُ الرَّجَبِ Just as Imam Ibn al-Rajab, he mentioned. وَفِي سَنَدِهِ إِنْ قِطَاعِ And the reason why this hadith, this particular chain is Hassan, is because in this specific chain, they have in it a disconnection. It has in it in meaning it's not connected all the way through back to the Prophet ﷺ, but at some point it is severed. There is some things that are missing, it is severed. Now, Lakin, Dakar ibn Rajab, but Imam Ibn Rajab, he mentioned, that which is a supporting evidence for its meaning. That which is supporting evidence for its meaning. It's important to know, it's important to know and to note that a hadith that is Hassan 
This is an indication that it has some problems with its chain. But due to other narrations, due to other narrations that come bearing the same meaning or with the same wording, then a hadith will be raised to the level of hasan due to the shawahid, due to the supporting texts or the supporting evidence, meaning other narrations that come bearing the same meaning or the same wording. And then will raise that particular chain that has in it a defect to being uh, hasan, to being good. Now, Ibn Rajab, he mentions, he says, وَقَدْ رُوِيَ مَعْنَى هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ مَرْفُوعًا مِنْ وُجُوهٍ أُخَرٍ And this hadith, the meaning of it, is mentioned in other ahadith that reach back to the Prophet ﷺ without any disruption in the chain. They reach back to the Prophet ﷺ and they have this very same meaning, other narrations. Now, uh, Imam Al Rajabi mentions, he says, That Imam Al Bazar, he mentions it inside of his Musnad. Well, likewise, Al Hakim, Imam Al Hakim, he mentions it, Min Hadith Abi Ad from the Hadith of Abu Ad Darda. What? That which comes bearing the same meaning of this hadith. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, on the authority of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, قال, ما حل الله في كتابه فهو حلال. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, what means that which Allah has made permissible inside of his book, then this is that which is permissible, then it is permissible. Now, that which Allah has made permissible in his book, then it is permissible. And that which he has made prohibited, then it is prohibited. That which he made prohibited, then it is haram. And what he was quiet about, then it is a pardon for you. That which he was quiet about, then this is a pardon. He pardoned you from these things. So accept from Allah So accept from Allah Those things that he parted you from Then accept from Allah Those things that he parted you from That he parted He parted you from these particular things Naam فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيَنْسَى شَيْئًا Because Allah does not forget anything. Allah Ta'ala, He doesn't forget anything. ثُمَّ تَلَى هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ And then He, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He recites it, the following verse. وَمَا كَانَ رَبُّكَ نَسِيَّا And your Lord, He is not forgetful. Naam. So these things in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was quiet about, then this is as a mercy for us, and this is due to Allah pardoning us. This is a pardon from Allah for us. Now, وَقَالَ الْحَاكِمِ And Hakimi mentions, Hadith, that, yani, and Hakimi mentions, Sahih al-Isnad, that this particular Hadith, then it's Isnad, its chain is Sahih. وَقَالَ بِزَّاقِ 
and Imam Bazar he mentions Isnaduhu Salih that its chain is good. Its chain is good, it's acceptable. Naam. So this here is a, a hadith with an authentic chain that comes bearing the same meaning as the aforementioned hadith. In Allah Ta'ala Farada Farail that Allah He has obligated those obligatory affairs, so do not be neglectful as relates to them to the end of the hadith. This hadith is tremendous. Imam Ibn Rajab he mentions inside his tremendous book, Jami' al Ulum wal Hikam, he mentions, he says, Fahadith, Fahadith Abi Fa'laba. قُسِّمَ فِيهِ أَحْكَامُ اللَّهِ الْأَرْبَعَةِ أَرْبَعَةِ الْأَقْسَامِ That in the hadith of Abu Tha'laba The rules and regulations of Allah They were broken down into four categories قُسِّمَ فِيهِ أَحْكَامُ اللَّهِ أَرْبَعَةِ الْأَقْسَامِ That the regulations of Allah were broken into four categories. Inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to read the hadith again. So, let us try to break down and identify these four categories that Imam Ibn Rajab, he mentions, this hadith is broken down into. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَانَ فَرَضَ فَرَائِضُ فَلَا تُضَيِّعُوهَا نعم. Then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, "وَحَدَّ حُدُودًا فَلَا تَعْتَدُوهَا." Then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, "وَحَرَّمَ أَشْيَاءَ فَلَا تَنْتَهِكُوهَا." And then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, "وَسَكَتَ عَنْ أَشْيَاءَ رَحْمَةً لَكُمْ غَيْرَ نِسْيَانٍ." فَلَا تَبَحَثُوا عَنْهَا Like, translated, it means that verily Allah, He has obligated or made obligatory the obligations, so do not neglect them. This is the first sentence. The second sentence, and He has set the limits, so do not transgress them. The third sentence, and He has made certain things prohibited, so do not commit them. The fourth sentence, and he was quiet about certain things as a mercy for you, not out of forgetfulness, so do not seek them out. Do not search for them. Man. In that, the ahkam, the rules, are broken into four categories. Man. Things are broken into four categories. The first one, Imam Ibn Rajab, he mentions, he says, Fara'ilbu. This is the first one. The obligatory affairs. Now, the second is Wamaharim. The prohibited affairs. Those things that are haram. The third, they are Hudud, the limits. And the fourth, then it is 
Meskutun and that which is has been quiet about, that which has not been mentioned. Now, those are the four. Those are the four categories. For that, and that brings together those four categories brings together all of the rules and regulations of the deen all of the rules and regulations of the deen now I want you to reflect because even after hearing what we have just heard and even after learning what we have just learned you will find that perhaps it's not clear to each and every one to each and every listener the implications and how this outlines these four categories outline all of the religion now, and this is another indication which shows us the superiority of the ulama because they see what we don't see they look at the same things but they see what we don't see now, the shaykh he goes on Imam Ibn Rajab he goes on to say Muqala Abu Bakr bin Sama'ani had a hadith Abu Bakr bin Sama'ani he mentions he says this hadith Aslun Kabirun bin Usul al-Din there is a tremendous foundation in it from the fundamental principles of the religion tremendous now remember this book Arba'in and Nawiyah it is a book that outlines the Principles, the rules and regulations, the principles, the qawaid of the sunnah. Naam, the qawaid of the sunnah and of the people of the sunnah. So here we have in it tremendous principles that have been laid down, tremendous rules that have been laid down, fundamental principles of the religion. He goes on and he says, Paul, he mentioned, wa hukiya an ba'dihim annahu qal لَيْسَ فِي أَحَدِيثَ الرَّسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم حَدِيثٌ وَاحِدٌ أَجْمَعَ بِنْ فِرَادِهِ لِأُصُولِ الْعِلْمِ وَالْفُرُوعِهِ مِنْ حَدِيثِ أَبِي ثَعْلَبَ He mentions, he said that there is not a single hadith, there is not a hadith from the hadith of the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم that is more encompassing of the fundamental principles of the religion and the sub- and the subsidiary matters of the religion more than this hadith that this one hadith brings in it more fundamental principles and subsidiary principles of the religion more than any other one hadith by itself نعم وقال حكي عن واثيلة المزني أنه قال and it was mentioned that Wathila al-Muzani he mentioned Paul he said Jama'a Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ad-deen fi arba'at kalimat that the messenger of Allah comprised and gathered all together the religion in four words in four words or four sentences now four statements thumma thakara and then he mentioned the hadith of Abu Thalaba, meaning this hadith. And Ibn Sumaani, he mentions, he says, فَمَنْ عَمِلَ بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ 
فقد حاز الثواب. I want you to, 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 to look at how tremendous this hadith is. Now, Ibn al-Sam'ani, he mentions, he says, whoever acts in accordance to this hadith, then he would have attained يعني, the reward. He would have attained the reward. وَأَمِنَ الْعِقَابِ And he would have been safe from punishment. He would have attained the reward. And he would be safe from punishment. Now, لِأَنَّمَنْ And then he explains why. He said this is because the one who implements, يعني أَدَّ الْفَرَائِضَ The one who implements the obligatory affairs. وَاجْتَنَبَ الْمَحَارِمْ And he stays away from the prohibited affairs. And he stops at the limit. He stops at the boundary. And he leaves off searching and looking for that which has not been mentioned, that which was quiet about. Then he would have attained the levels of superiority of nobility and we, he would have fulfilled the rights of the religion because the levels of the religion they do not go beyond that which has been mentioned in this hadith. Meaning that because this hadith, it points to all of the ahkam of the religion. Now, it points to all of the ahkam of the religion. Now, even after hearing all of that, we still may not 100% understand the magnitude of this hadith. Perhaps we still don't appreciate it like these great imams have appreciated because perhaps we still have yet to see what they have seen. Shaykh Abdul Muhsan, he goes sentence by sentence commenting on the treasures that are contained inside this tremendous hadith. Shaykh Abdul Muhsan, he says, Qawlu, the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, The statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that verily Allah has obligated certain affairs, He has obligated the obligations, made the obligations mandatory, so do not be neglectful of them. Now, he says this means a aljaba ashya, meaning that there's certain things. He made them obligatory. There are certain things he made them obligatory. You have to do them. There is no, no way around it. Naam. And he made the obligation strictly obligatory. Naam, for lack of a better term. There are must. Hetsman laziman. These are affairs that they are a must. We have to do them. 
like prayer. وَكَالزَّكَاءِ And like charity. وَالصِّيَامِ And fasting. وَالْحَجِّ And pilgrimage. فَيَجِبُ عَلَى كُلِّ مُسْلِمٍ So it is obligatory upon every Muslim. الْإِتْيَانُ بِهَا كَمَا أَمَرَ اللَّهِ It is obligatory upon every Muslim to perform them and to carry them out just as Allah has commanded. Just as Allah has commanded. دُونَ تَرْكِ Without leaving, without abandoning it. Without abandoning it. Without leaving it off. نعم. دُونَ تَرْكٍ لَهَا أَوْ حُصُولُ الْإِخْلَالِ فِي فِعْلِهَا Without totally abandoning them and also without coming up short and being neglectful as relates to carrying them out. نعم. Not totally abandoning them nor are they to do them in a manner that is neglectful. So they do them and they do not fulfill the obligation. They, they do not fulfill the act as it is supposed to be fulfilled. Now, this will enter into what? Leaving it off, either in totality or leaving it off partially by doing it, but not doing it to the full extent of which it is to be done. Now, this is the first this is the first statement of the Prophet وسلم, that Allah has made certain affairs obligatory. So do not be neglectful as relates to them. And then the Prophet وسلم, he said, And Allah has set legal limits, so do not go beyond them. Do not transgress the bounds. Now, Allah has set for us legal limits. So do not transgress the bounds. A shara'a umuran hiya wajiba aw mustahabba aw mubaha fala yatajawazu tilka al-hudud ila ghayriha. Allah Ta'ala, He has made certain affairs obligatory. Other affairs, they're recommended. And other affairs, they are allowed. So we have to make sure that everything we do falls into one of these three categories. We have to make sure that everything we do falls into one of these three categories. That either what we're doing is because it is wajib, it is obligatory, or it is mustahabba, or it is recommended, or it is mubaha, or it is allowed. Now it is allowed. As long as we stick to these three categories, as long as our actions fall into these three categories, then we'll be safe. And then maybe we can better understand the statement of Ibn Sam'ani when he mentions that whoever lives in accordance to this hadith and fulfills what was mentioned in this hadith, then they would have attained the reward and been safe from punishment. They would have attained the reward and been safe from punishment. Why? Because everything that they have done, it will either be obligatory, recommended, or allowed. They won't fall into anything that's problematic. Now, but so thus they do not go beyond that to other than that. What's other than that? 
Other than that, that it will be that which is makruh and what? Haram. They will stay away from the makruh and they will stay away from the haram. Why? The haram is well known. We stay away from the haram because it's haram. Okay, what about the makruh? Somebody says, oh, it's just, it's just disliked. The person who becomes lackadaisical on doing the makruh, doing that which is disliked, eventually they will fall into doing that which is haram. Now, when a person becomes lackadaisical about doing the makruh, about of doing that which is, is, is disliked, then eventually they will fall into that which is haram. Now, so the one who is wise, he puts a barrier between himself and between the haram. Because if you don't do that which is makruh, if you don't do that which is hated, then of course you're not going to do that which is haram. Now, if you don't do that which is disliked, then you're not going to do that which is prohibited. The salaf, they took it a step further. You have from the salaf, from the salaf, those who will practice what is called al-wara'ah. Al-wara' is where you leave off certain things that are permissible out of fear of falling into the haram. Now, so you leave off certain things that are permissible, but you leave it what out of fear of falling into the haram. So you put between yourself and between the haram certain things that are permissible, those things and those things that are disliked. So if, you, so, so, so if you leave off certain things that are permissible out of fear that they will bring you to the haram, then of course you're not going to do those things that are disliked, and this will, what, will push you even further away from committing the haram. I'll give you an example of wara. Just one example that perhaps everyone will understand. From Babel wara, a person may choose to refuse to sleep on a bed that is super duper comfortable, that is extremely comfortable, right? Why? Out of fear that it will make him oversleep and miss Fajr. Now sleeping in a bed that is extremely comfortable, is this permissible? Yes, permissible, it's no problem. Is it allowed, Yanni? It's, it's, it's okay, you, you can sleep in a bed that's very comfortable. However, because this person fears that sleeping upon such a bed, it may be a cause of him missing Salat al-Fajr and praying Fajr in its time, he goes for a mattress that's a little less comfortable. Now, you will say that he left this from Bab Wara. He left this out of fear. Fear of what? Falling into the haram. So he put between him and the haram a barrier. Now, but the Shaykh he says, He stays away from transgressing the bounds so that he will not fall into the haram. Because whoever falls, whoever goes beyond the three that was mentioned, that which is obligatory, that which is recommended, that which is allowed, when they go beyond that, they will thus fall into the haram. They will subsequently fall into the haram. Naam. The Shaykh, he mentions, he says, وَذَلِكَ كَالْمَوَارِيثِ And this is like the inheritance, the rules for inheritance. 
التي بينها الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه that which Allah has made them very clear and outlined them inside of his book فلا يجوز لأحد أن يتعداها وأن يأتي بقسمة تخالفها it is not for an individual that they will go beyond the laws of inheritance and the guidelines and rules set up by يعني, uh, uh, of inheritance that was set by Allah nor that they would make up new rules of inheritance or make up rules and things that will contradict Allah Ta'ala's ruling. فَتَتِي الْحُدُودِ مُرَادًا نَعَمًا And sometimes the word hudud, it comes and what is attended by it, مَحَرَّمَ الله. It means that which Allah has made haram. فَيَكُونَ الْوَاجِبِ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِ So it becomes obligatory upon a Muslim that they don't go near it. Okay? So when we look at the word hudud, that we do not go beyond the boundaries that have been set, meaning that we will stick to that which is obligatory, that which is recommended, that which is allowed. But there comes sometimes... It is mentioned inside of the text the word hudud and what is intended by it is that which is haram. Now, that the that the, that the hudud what is meant by it is that which Allah has made haram. Now, so in the event that it means those things that Allah has made haram, then it becomes obligatory upon every Muslim that they do not go near unto it. Now, and an example of where the word hudud comes and it means haram it is like the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tilka hudud Allah fala taqrabuha is Allah ta'ala statement and these are the limits of Allah so thus do not go near them meaning these are the things in which Allah has made haram so do not approach them do not go near unto them Man. so this is just an example of what the word hudud could possibly mean uh, and the like. In any event, it is for us to what? Not transgress. Not transgress the boundaries and fall into the haram. Do not transgress the boundary uh, by doing the haram. Naam? So in any event, we, what, we stay away from it. And we make sure that all of our actions are limited to that which is obligatory, recommended, or allowed. Naam? And anything that does not fit that description, then we stay away from it. The next sentence of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, وَحَرَّمَ أَشْيَاءَ فَلَا تَنْتَهِكُوهَا And Allah has made certain things haram, so do not commit them. Do not do them. نعم. Eight. أَنَّمَا حَرَّمَهُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ فَلَا يَجُوزُ لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ and that meaning that that which Allah has made haram, those things that Allah has made haram, that it is not permissible for the Muslims to do them. It is not permissible for the Muslims to act upon them, to do them. Naam. Bel, but rather, yata'ayyanu alayhim tarkuha. But rather, it becomes an obligation upon each one of them that they stay away from it. Naam. It becomes an obligation upon each and every one of us that we stay away from it. Naam? So those things in which Allah Ta'ala has made haram, then we stay away from them. Just as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, وَمَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْهُ فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ 
and that which I had prohibited you from, then do not go near unto it. That which I prohibited you from, then don't go near to it. Don't get close to it. Don't draw near unto it. Stay away from it. Naam. This hadith is yeah, need tremendous. But just this far now, in reflecting about that which is mentioned, perhaps better we can understand how in this hadith encompasses all of the religion. It encompasses all of the religion. Naam. Because the, the actions that we're going to do, they're either going to be that which is wajib, it is obligatory, or it's going to be mustahab, recommended, or it's going to be mubah, allowed, or it's going to be makruh, disliked, or it's going to be haram, prohibited. These are the five ahkam. These are the five yani, ahkam of the of the deen. Anything we do is going to fall into one of these five categories. Now, so if we implement the first three, if we restrict our action to the first three, and we avoid the last two, that which is disliked and prohibited, then as Ibn As-Sama'ani, he mentioned, then what? Then we would have Hajat Thawab wa Amin al-Iqab. We would have attained the reward and we, and we will, will be safe from the punishment. Now, because what, what's going to get you in trouble, right? It's those last two. The last two are going to get you in trouble. In a sense of the makruh gets you in trouble because if you become lackadaisical on things that are disliked, you will eventually fall into the haram. Now, so that's how the makruh gets you in trouble. That which is disliked. And that which is haram gets you in trouble because it's haram. Prohibited, prohibited, gets you in trouble. Now, so if we avoid those last two categories, then we'll be safe. Now, the last sentence, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, And Allah has been quiet about certain things as a mercy unto you, not due to forgetfulness, so do not search for them. Do not seek them out. Ma'am, ay, hunaka, ay, hunaka umurun, lam yati nas, aliha, fil kitab wa sunnah. Meaning that there are certain things that there does not come a, a specific text on them in the book nor in the sunnah or that which is similar to them. Ma'am, and, I, and, I, and I, want you to, I want you really to understand this, is that. There come certain things that there is nothing specifically mentioned about them in the book and in the sunnah, nor anything that is similar to them. Because if something similar was mentioned, then the ruling of that which is similar will take the ruling of that which has not been mentioned specifically. Right? Or that which is mentioned yani, generally will take the ruling of, of, of something specifically. I'll give you an example. Marijuana, for example. Right? No, let's not marijuana. So easy. Let's say... Um, Crystal meth, crystal meth, right? A person will come and say, there's no verse in the Quran that talks about crystal meth. There is no verse, there's no hadith in the sunnah that speaks about crystal meth, right? We can agree to that, right? No, there's nothing that specifically mentions crystal meth, right? But there comes verses and a hadith about khamar, about wine, alcohol, intoxicants. Now, 
there comes a statement from the Prophet ﷺ that everything that intoxicates is khamar. Right? So we have those statements. So now, what do we do with crystal meth? We apply the ruling of that which is similar. Does it fall into a, uh, does it fall under a general a general category? Yes, it falls under the general category of those things that are intoxicants. So then now that rule is applied to the specific thing that was just invented a little while ago. Now, so this is what I mean. Or, or what is meant by that there does not come a specific text in the book or the sunnah about it or that which is similar to it. That makes sense? Alright. So those things that there's no text about it, nor any text about that which is similar to it, the needs are for those things that Allah has yani, pardoned us as relates to it. This is a mercy from Allah Ta'ala upon us. So therefore, it's not for us to what? To search them out. Now, the Shaykh, he mentions, he says, فَلَا فِي الْبَحْثِ عَنْهَا So do not busy yourself in looking for them. وَالسُّؤَالْ عَنْهَا Nor asking about them. ذَلِكَ مِثْلُ السُؤَالْ عَنِ الْحَجِّ فِي كُلِّ عَامٍ أَلَّذِي أَنْكَرَهُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ عَنِ السَّائِلِ He said, this is like the excessive questioning uh, that, the, that the man made to the Prophet وسلم, about whether or not they are to make hajj every year. Uh, and the Prophet وسلم, he uh, disapproved of him keep asking this question. Do we have to make hajj every year? Do we have to make hajj every year? Do we have to make hajj every year? The Prophet وسلم, he said, He said, leave me alone about that which I didn't mention to you. فَإِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ كَثْرَةُ مَسَائِلِهِمْ وَاخْتِلَافِهِمْ عَلَىٰ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ He said, because that was destroyed, the people that came before you was their uh, incessant questioning and differing with their prophets. Because they asked too, too, too many unnecessary questions to their prophets and they differed with their prophets and that led to their destruction. Now, the Shaykh he mentions, he says, and also, He said, also, asking about the impermissibility of something, of that which has yet to be yani, made haram, or that which wasn't made haram. Naam. And then that thing becomes prohibited because of the question. Naam. Now, of course, right now, the Shaykh is talking about what? During the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That there were any uh, questions that were asked in the time of the Prophet وسلم, it's possible that if a person asks about something that wasn't impermissible prior to that point, then they ask about it, and then now due to the question, that thing becomes haram. Now, so this is what he's talking during the time of the Prophet. He said, He said, just as it has come. Yani, the danger of that, as mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, of the Messenger of Allah Now again, this was all during the lifetime of the Prophet The Shaykh goes on to mention, he says, وسلم, And after his time, after the time, after the, the death of the Prophet وسلم, لا تسألوا الأشياء أو الأسئلة نعم التي فيها تنطع he said, after the time of the Prophet then 
we should not ask those type of questions that will have the, any type of difficulty that will make things difficult and cumbersome. Naam? Uh, and the meaning, uh, before we go on to that, that makes sense? Naam? And after the, after the death of the Prophet وسلم, then we don't ask questions about things that will yani, may make situations difficult and cumbersome and the like. And the meaning of sakata and ashya, and the meaning of that certain things were left unspoken, they were quiet about. Falam yafruquha, meaning that they were not made wajib. Uh, they were not made obligatory. Walam yujibuha, and they were not made mandatory. Walam yuharrimha, walam yuharrimha, and they were not made prohibited. So therefore, don't ask about them. They're not clearly obligatory. They're not clearly uh, mandatory. They're not clearly prohibited. So there's no acts about them. Don't ask about them. وَقَدْ قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى And Allah Ta'ala, He says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who believe, لَا تَسْأَلُوا عَنِ الْأَشْيَاءِ Do not ask about things. لَا تَسْأَلُوا عَنِ الْأَشْيَاءِ Don't ask about things. And تُبِلَ لَكُمْ that if they would make clear to you, and that they would be hard upon you. Especially asking about them while the Quran is being revealed. Especially as the Quran is being revealed, and thus they will be made clear unto you. And Allah has pardoned you. Allah has given you pardon as relates to these things. And Allah is the all-forgiving, the, um, the most compassionate. Now, Allah Ta'ala goes on to say, Because verily a people from before you ask these same things, or ask things similar to this, I should say, And then do so their questions, Due to these questions, they became kuffar. Naam? They became disbelievers due to their ex excessive questionings. وَقَالَ إِمَامْ إِمْنُ الرَّجَبِ إِمَامْ الرَّجَبِ mentions وَأَمَّا الْمَسْقُودِ عَنْهَا And as far as those things in which were not mentioned فَهُوَ مَا لَمْ يُذْكَرْ حُكْمُهُ بِالتَّحْلِيمِ وَلَا إِجَابْ وَلَا تَحْلِيمِ It is that which we don't have any mention of its ruling as relates to it being permissible or as relates to it being allowed or as relates to it being prohibited. So therefore these things that we're pardoned from them, uh, it is no problem for the one, uh, for anyone to do them. And upon this, these ahadith, and upon this, these narrations, they point to Al-Madhkura, yani huna, the ones that were mentioned here. For example, Kal Hadith Abi Tha'laba like the Hadith of Abu Tha'laba, and other than that particular narration. There are certain takeaways that we get from this Hadith. There are four things that we benefit from in this particular Hadith. The first of them is, Anna min al-Shari'a, is that verily there is from the legislation of Allah those things that are mandatory. Those things that are mandatory. You have to do them. And you cannot neglect them, you cannot leave them off. Secondly, 
والمستحبات والمباحات is that we have to limit our actions to only that which is obligatory or only that which is recommended or only to that which is allowed. So we have to limit our actions and make sure that they will either be obligatory, recommended, or allowed. Now, and that we do not transgress the bounds and fall into those prohibited affairs. Now, fourthly, uh, now thirdly, excuse me, and that kullama haramahullah is that everything that Allah has made haram that it becomes obligatory upon every individual Muslim to stay away from them. But rather what? To stay far away from them. It becomes obligatory for every Muslim that they leave them off and they stay far away from them. So everything that is haram, it is obligatory upon each and every one of us that we stay away from it. And we leave it, abandon it, and stay far away from it. And the fourth point of benefit that the Shaykh mentions, he says, is that everything that there does not come a text stating its prohibition, nor stating its uh, permissibility, then it is that in which we have been forgiven for and that which which we have been pardoned for so therefore don't ask about them don't ask about them and then the shaykh he goes on to get into the next hadith which is the 31st hadith of this tremendous book but ta'ala will save that until the next time فنكتفي بهذا القدر وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وجزاكم الله خيرا